You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Chris and Nick Show here on Big Blue View Radio. I am one of the hosts, Nick Bellato, joined, as always, by Chris Flum. And today we're going to go through the New York Giants Week 9 matchup in the city of sin, Las Vegas. I think that's the nickname, Chris. But before we get into it, buddy, how are you doing? I'm doing well. You know, it's suddenly winter out. You know, I had to dig my heavy jacket out of the closet, throw on a sweater to take the dog for a walk this morning. You know, it's a little unexpected. Like a week ago, it was about 80 out. So, but you know, we're making do. It's a good day to stay inside, watch tape, talk about football. Love talking about football. It's devastating. I am not a fan of the cold. One of the reasons why I ended up in Phoenix, Arizona, but I am heading back to the East Coast soon, back to the great state of New Jersey. But Chris, we're not talking about the cold. We're not talking about me. We are going to talk first about the New York Giants. We're going to bleed it into this matchup against the Raiders. And you want to talk about a turbulent team right now. That is the Las Vegas Raiders. We'll get into that in a second, but I want to go through some of these injury news, man. So Daniel Jones right now, he's cleared for contact and it appears like he's going to be the starting quarterback for the New York Giants. Tyrod Taylor has been ruled out with the rib injury. So it will be more than likely Tommy DeVito, who was promoted to the active roster because he already had his two practice squad spots taken up. So they had to do some roster finagling and put him on the roster and they quote unquote cut Gunnar Olszewski. He got placed back on just roster gymnastics that they did earlier in the week. That happens a lot with the uh, current state of the rules, the NFL and the promotions from the practice squad. But other than Tyrod Taylor, Darren Waller has also just been ruled out before we hit record here with his hamstring injuries. And according to Dan Duggan of The Athletic, both could be candidates for the IR. Yeah, which I, I don't think that would be a surprise at all to see both Tyrod and Waller land on the injured reserve. Uh, Tyrod is supposedly feeling better, but whenever you get taken directly from the stadium to the hospital, they keep you overnight for observation and even into the day before you know, releasing you. That That's obviously a concern. And with his history, his injury history, having fractured ribs before, leading to a punctured lung, absolutely the Giants should be as cautious and careful with him as possible. And with Darren Waller, he's been trying to fight through that hamstring injury for a while. And, you know, we've seen he just he just didn't look quite right against the Jets. And then he finally left the game. Uh, we saw with Andrew Thomas, how an aggravated hamstring injury, how long that can take to get back from. And I think the Giants are definitely going to learn from that ongoing odyssey. We can talk about it in a little bit and really give Waller the time he needs to get 
back, get healthy, because the Giants do still have 10 games left this season. Still have 10 games left in the season, although it is uh, filled with despair right now among Giant land. I'm wondering how our friends over there in Las Vegas are feeling. We'll go over that in a little bit. But there's other injury news. Firstly, with Waller ruled out, I think we can expect to see Lawrence Cager elevated. Lawrence Cager is like a Darren Waller light, and I'll stress the word light, but I'm mainly saying that because he is more of a wide receiver than he is a blocker, albeit, or maybe I should say although, I think Darren Waller has somewhat impressed me a little bit this season as a blocker, a little bit better than I think he was advertised, still not necessarily a plus in that area, but I would expect to see Cager and I think the Giants are only going to roll with two tight ends again, which I, I absolutely hate because if one of Daniel Bellinger or now Lawrence Cager, who can't really block that well, gets injured, Chris, you're so much more gonna you're, you're so much more one-dimensional on offense. And we know this offense wants to use 12, 13 personnel, work the play action, work the boot. And it's just one of those things, man, that I, I just haven't loved about the New York Giants. They haven't found an actual tight end opposite of Daniel Bellinger with uh, Lawrence Cager and Darren Moore kind of being a little bit more of these uh, receiving threats rather than blocking threats. Yeah, and it really does seem, especially this year, uh, just Murphy's Law. If Murphy's Law was a football no. season, that's what the Giants season would be this year, where like anything that can go wrong has gone wrong. And with these positions where we've been, you know, light a candle. We are not too sure about the depth here. We're holding our breath here. Those are the positions that have gotten hit. So man, I, I am definitely holding my breath with respect to Daniel Bellinger. It's not that he is injury prone. Like that's the thing we knew about Darren Waller that last couple of years, he has been hampered by injury and we were kind of waiting to see if he would get through the season healthy after the giants acquired him. Yeah, Bellinger missed a few games last year, but that was a fluke injury where a guy's hand just kind of somehow made it through his face mask. You know, just kind of just a football thing happened. But right now, it if the Giants just roll with Bellinger and Cager, they are daring the football gods. And man, the, the way this season has gone, I would not do that lightly. Now you can't do that lightly at this point because the giants have a, uh, every decision that they've made, every calculated decision that they made has bit them in the ass. And that's just kind of unfortunate because sometimes, you know, it's football. You have to make really tough decisions and you don't expect every single one of them to blow up in your face. But I got to tell you, man, a lot of them have blown up in the Giants' face this year. But more injury news as well. First, Graham Gano was limited in practice with his knee after that Jets loss, man. He said he's going to need surgery after the season. Graham Gano has missed a lot of kicks this year, Chris. That's like at this point, man, it, can you trust this guy to go out there and kick like a 45 yarder, which is typically an automatic uh, like certainty for Graham Gano. But at this point, man, I just, you know, I don't know what the Giants are doing. Like maybe she might just put this guy on IR if he can't go out there and accurately kick for your team. And then two other notes that are really important, Andrew Thomas and Evan Neal both have a chance to play. But check back a little bit later in the week at Big Blue View and we will update if they are out. But the fact that they have a chance to play, good news. Yeah, I would say that is very good news. That would 
But the Giants, I think, would actually have a decision to make at right tackle between Evan Neal and Tyree Phillips, particularly this week on a short week uh, with Max Crosby, who we're going to talk about a lot, lining up over the right tackle. But that would be great news for the Giants at left tackle because, you know, love Justin Pugh. He is not an NFL left tackle. He was a pretty good left tackle at Syracuse, but that was a while ago, and that was also... Syracuse. <laughs> yeah, that wasn't even the SEC out there. This is the NFL. Pew is a guard. He is a left guard. And that really is his best position. Getting Andrew Thomas back would really allow the Giants to solidify 80% of their offensive line. Just everybody would be able to play their natural positions. And it would be a huge upgrade pretty much across the line. And that, I think, would do a lot to settle the, the Giants' offense down. So hopefully Thomas will be back. If not, I would fully expect him back next week with the Dallas Cowboys coming or the Giants going to Dallas Cowboys. And hopefully it will be a much different situation than week one for Daniel Jones and the Giants' offense with the more secure offensive line and Andrew Thomas back in the lineup because he played against the Dallas Cowboys in week one, but he was hurt essentially the entire game. Before we get to the matchup here, Chris, we got to talk about a big trade that happened. Look, trade deadline came, it went, maybe not as many veterans were shipped out of town, but one was, and it was a very respectful shipping because Joe Shane approached Leonard Williams, who was traded to the Seattle Seahawks for a 2024 second round pick and a 2025 fifth round pick. The New York Giants were able to get that second round pick by picking up 9.6 million of Leonard Williams' salary this season. So Joe Shane approached him and said, hey, there are teams interested. If you're interested, I know you have friends and people that you know up in the Seattle organization. Seattle is a team that's interested. And Leonard Williams said, yeah, I'm okay with that. And, and that approach just before we even talk about the impact and what this is going to do on the football field for the Giants defense, but that approach, I think that's going to resonate around the league with other players, just seeing how it wasn't that cutthroat mentality where it's like, yeah, hey, I don't really give a shit. I know your family is here and you're an older player and you've been here since you were drafted in the NFL because you were a member of the New York Jets. You're, you're up, you're gone. Like that wasn't the approach. It was, are you okay with being traded? It was a much more amicable parting of the ways. And, and I think that's going to really um, resonate with with uh, other players around the league, other veterans specifically. Yeah, and I think it would also resonate within the locker room. The, the fact that the Giants front office, their coaching staff, uh, Joe Shane, Brandon Brown, they're treating these players like men. You know, they're treating them as people first, and particularly a well-respected veteran, a guy who has given his all, who has played almost every snap, who's played through injury, who has just done everything the Giants could ask and more. You know, the, the fact that they approached him, they more or less made him aware of the interest in him and really worked with him to find a good landing spot. It, like you said, that's going to reson resonate. Yeah, that's doing business the right way. And frankly, that's something the other 31 teams should be doing as well. Yeah, there, there are a lot of teams around the NFL that just do not 
treat these players like people. They just treat them like disposable assets. And that is quite frankly wrong. It is. It's a business. We know that. But I, I liked this approach from Joe Shane. And Shane said after the trade that the Giants have a Sean Robinson who has looked, I would say, admirable to good over the last few weeks and Nacho, Raheem Nunez, Rochez in-house, as well as DJ Davidson. But, he, but Shane mentioned those two veterans at the top. So this trade was possible. And that's what Shane alluded to. And it also, you know, now Leonard Williams can compete for a, a playoff ready team and kind of the Giants are admitting, yo, playoffs are <laughs> kind of uh, out the door at this point, or they need a miracle to compete for them with six losses already on their schedule in the beginning of November. Yeah. And I, I think that is kind of the part of it that has been left unsaid is that, you know, that Shane admitted to Leonard Williams, that the Seahawks are on the winning side of things. They are making a push for the playoffs. They currently lead the NFC West. Yeah, we'll see what happens with the 49ers and everything, but the Giants are last in the NFC East. And the front office at least does seem to have a realistic idea of where this team is, where their prospects lie for this season. Yeah, I don't think they have packed it in. I don't think they're waving the white flag or anything like that. As you said, the Giants do still have defensive tackles who can at least fill the hole or at least fill the starting mm -hmm. spot left by Leonard Williams. I don't know that either one is going to play at the same level as Leonard Williams, but they are at least credible starters out there. You know, the, the Giants aren't throwing a a guy who maybe shouldn't even be on the roster or is really more of a special teams player out there and calling him a starter. And we also didn't see a fire sale at the trade deadline. We didn't see them move you know, Xavier McKinney or Dory Jackson or Saquon Barkley, who honestly, I was fully expecting Barkley to go maybe even right up until, or maybe even despite what they publicly said about not trading him just because I'm not sure how many of those guys are in the giants plans for the future. And, you know, you might as well get something for them rather than crossing your fingers and hoping for a good comp pick for them in the 2025 draft. So I, I think the Giants are kind of realistic about what their chances are of making the playoffs for this year. You know, they've got things are kind of setting up for them to maybe go on a little mini run here, which we'll talk about in the second half with starting with the Raiders. But their path to the playoffs is extremely, extremely narrow at this point. And if they make any mistakes, if they get, I would say, four more losses, and they're pretty much out of it. <laughs> Before we get into the chaotic situation that is the Las Vegas Raiders, let's take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place. 
to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected, and 24/7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. All righty, Chris. Look, the Giants might be in somewhat of a disarray, right? Some disarray going around. The Raiders. Wow. Because at the end of Monday Night Football, about 24 hours after 10 o'clock p.m. Pacific time, it was announced that Josh McDaniels was fired as the head football coach, along with general manager Dave Ziegler. And Antonio Pierce, former New York Giant linebacker, great Antonio Pierce, is named the interim head coach. And then later, the next morning, Mick Lombardi, their offensive coordinator, was also announced that he was fired. And Bo Hardigree was named the new offensive coordinator. And Jimmy Garoppolo was benched for fourth-round rookie out of Purdue, Aiden O'Connell, who was named the starter. A ton of news on a short week, mind you, for Antonio Pierce and his new staff. What are we going to make of this, Chris? Because this is a nebulous situation. Yeah, th- this is, I think, one of those games where we kind of, you know, we watch the tape, we uh, do all our analysis, we try to break things down, and then we throw our hands up and go, I have no clue. Because <laughs> I really have, I, I have no clue what to expect, honestly, from either team in this situation. And before we go any further, I just want to publicly say, Nick, thank you for jumping on that news pretty much as it broke because you happen to be a, a night owl and be in the Pacific time zone. I woke up at about five 15 in the morning to an alert on my phone saying the Raiders fired Josh McDaniels. And I went, wait, what? Huh? I'm, I can't (laughs) brain yet. (laughs) And there it was. Piece was already written, man. So again, thank you. Of course. (laughs) As this matchup or this game, this team, we don't, we have no clue what, how the Raiders players are going to respond to their linebackers coach being elevated to head coach. It being Antonio Pierce, who Giants fans know him. They love him. He is one of the, or in his day was one of the smartest and most instinctive linebackers in the NFL completely made up for the fact that athletically he was nothing special and honestly kind of a liability even back then, but his football IQ was so high. It didn't matter. So he does have that going for him as a head coach. We have no clue what Bo Hardegree is going to be as an offensive coordinator. We don't know what his tendencies are. We don't know what he likes, what he dislikes, what his overall philosophy is. We do know he's an Adam Gase guy, has spent most of his career with Adam Gase. So maybe we can try to draw some conclusions based on that, which I think might bode well for the Giants because Adam Gase is kind of the grim reaper for offense. Everything he touches dies. But... We don't know. 
Bo Hardigree is his own man. And you know, I I would be surprised if their offense deviated significantly from what Mick Lombardi was calling. And then Aiden O'Connell, a fourth round rookie, we got very, very little tape on him. And just particularly him within this scheme as it could be executed under Bo Hardigree. So that this is a massive unknown and that makes things interesting for the Giants. You know, I'm kind of call back to the Arizona Cardinals game where we had a whole bunch of unknowns, rookie head coach, uh, a quarterback who had just gotten there, Josh Dobbs, a team that has talent on offense, but had not played up to that talent level. So it will be very, very interesting to see what kind of defense the Giants call against this offense and what the Raiders even do on offense. Especially with the personnel that the Raiders have, because I would imagine you know, a fourth round rookie, Wink Martindale wants to go in there and just be like, all right, we're just going to blitz this kid like crazy. That's going to leave a lot of one-on-one matchups for Deontay Banks and Dory Jackson and Trey Hawkins, all, all these cornerbacks against Jacoby Myers, who's criminally underrated, and Devontae Adams. And that's where it gets a little scary because Aiden O'Connell can catch a catch a snap and then just heave it in Devontae Adams' direction and he can jump up and secure that football. So I think we're going to see pressure, of course, from Wink Martindale, but I don't know if it's going to be like 86% pressure like we saw against, say, Brock Purdy and the 49ers. It's uh again, it's um it's a hazy situation. I, I think that makes it interesting. And throughout the game, we can really analyze what the hell the coordinators are thinking going back and forth. And I know the Giants are looking at this like we don't know hard degrees tendencies. The the rookie look you have about a game and a half, a little bit less than a game and a half of professional film on him. He's a rookie, he's gonna be mistake prone. The against the Chargers, I think it was week three against the Chargers when Jimmy was out, Jimmy Garoppolo was out. The Raiders had a chance to tie that football game up and send it to overtime with about two minutes left, and Aiden O'Connell threw an interception. And then after the game, in his typical, just odious manner, Josh McDaniels threw the rookie under the bus, and O'Connell didn't play terrible in the game. Like, for a day three rookie early in the season, it wasn't a terrible outing from Aiden O'Connell. I I liked Aiden O'Connell when he was at Purdue. I think he has talent. He is not scared to chuck the football around the yard but he's also prone to just like dumb mistakes like oh my god i can't believe you've done that so i'm expecting some rotation from wink martindale to confuse this kid and then obviously pressure from uh behind that rotation as well some fire zone blitzes things of that nature yeah i wouldn't be at all surprised if this offense doesn't flow through Devonte adams because He's 30 years old, but he is still one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. Uh, Certainly top 10, if not top five. And Josh Jacobs, who is also one of the best running backs in the NFL. And the Raiders offensive line is not bad. It's it's not great, but it's all it's pretty stout and it's not at least to my knowledge, as beat up as some of the uh, other offensive lines the Giants have seen recently, like the Jets who were on their fifth string center by the end of the game. So it 
as I said before, this is an offense that has more talent than I think their stats would suggest. You know, their 12 personnel package with Devontae Adams, with Hunter Renfro, who I think we could see a little bit more of because, you know, Josh McDaniels is out of there. With Jacoby Myers, with Michael Meyer, the rookie out of Notre Dame who was compared to Jason Witten in the pre-draft process. Like they, they've got talent there. It's just going to be a matter of, can they get any traction at all? And does Wink Martindale allow them to get any traction? I'm with you. I think he's going to throw the kitchen sink at the kid and just say, deal with this. If you can. It's funny. You brought up Hunter Renfro. I'm wondering if he benefits from this because Hunter Renfro was, he's a 2021 pro bowler, Hunter Renfro. He was phased out of this offense. You hardly saw him. This is a, an offense under McDaniels where it was a very concentrated target share. And you know what? You have Jacoby Myers and you have Devontae Adams and you have Josh Jacobs, who's a solid pass catching running back and a good running back overall, albeit he's been very inefficient this season. A concentrated target share I can understand it, but when you have a player like Hunter Renfro who can operate in the slot and you want to force and you want to take advantage of the rolled coverage over the top of Devontae Adams, you would think he would have more targets and more of an involvement in the offense. He did not. So now he didn't get dealt at the trade deadline, although um, I believe it was Ian Rappaport said the Saints were calling, but contractually they couldn't really um, they couldn't really make it work. So I'm wondering if his role expands now a little bit in this offense and if the if the Las Vegas Raiders get the football, say on the first drive, and you see like two or three targets funneled to the slot, I wonder how the Giants are going to um, to combat that because you don't want Hunter Renfro doing work in the middle of the field, but you obviously need to pay attention to those two outside guys. And if if I swear, man, it, if Josh Jacobs comes out and just runs all over the Giants, it's going to be an issue because <laughs> I don't I don't envision this because the Giants have been really good against the run in recent weeks. They've been really good against the run, and I'm, and I'm really um happy about that fact. But holy crap, Josh Jacobs was a rushing champion last year, and I think he's averaging like three point something yards per game. It, it's terrible this season. They, they can't do anything on the ground. It's been a little bit better recently, mainly that one drive against Detroit, who's a really good run defense as well. But the Giants should go in here and defensively dominate this, uh, this Raiders offense, even though we're not 100% certain what we're going to see. It's just, can the Giants offense, and they got Daniel Jones back, so you're hoping, but can that Giants offense dominate or at least move the football enough to win this matchup against a Raiders defense that can really get after the passer because they have one of the best pass rushers in Max Crosby. And they also have some cornerbacks with some really sticky fingers in Marcus Peters. Yeah, I am I am picking the Giants to win this game. Yeah. Spoilers, I, I don't believe our picks post has gone up. It might be up by the time this podcast airs. I'm going ahead and picking the Giants to win. And I'm picking it because of the Giants defense. They have played very well over the last month. And I think they'll be able to weather the loss of Leonard Williams, particularly for this game, and do so well enough to pretty much suffocate or stifle the Raiders offense. And I'm not sure what we're going to see from the Giants own offense, because I'm not quite sure what kind of game they're going to call with Daniel Jones back. Yes, he's cleared for contact, but he's missed quite a bit of time. He's been running the scout team, so 
He only has a couple full practices as the starter under his belt recently. It's it's really a short week for both teams because, you know, the Raiders had Monday night football. The Giants have to leave to travel across the country to get to them. So it's it, I'm kind of expecting the, the Giants offense to do enough. Just get enough to give the defense a lead to protect and then let Wink do his thing. Offensively, I wouldn't be surprised at all if it runs through Saquon Barkley and then just maybe Isaiah Hodgins, just those, the quick game concepts, get the ball out of Daniel Jones's hand the way we saw them do the end of last year and try to minimize the impact that Max Crosby can have on this game because I don't like the matchup of him against Evan Neal or Tyree Phillips. I would expect Daniel Bellinger to be attached to the right tackle's hip all game long. And I think if the Giants aren't running the ball, the running back is going to be staying home to pass protect as well. Got to watch two trap coverages with with this defense. Patrick Graham, he he likes to keep Marcus Peters uh, down. When Marcus Peters wants to like drive through the catch point, which we saw pick six on Monday Night Football against Jared Goff with a similar, now, I don't know if that was a trap coverage, but it was a similar type of play that we've seen Daniel Jones throw into where he's a little bit late with the football coming out and Peters reads it. And Peters is one of the the best cornerbacks in the league regard in terms of just jumping routes and undercutting routes and, and, and causing these pick sixes. So he's someone the Giants need to be weary of. Trayvon Merrig, the safety, is also another player with some range who can cover a lot of ground. I think this could be a Wandale Robinson type of game just because of you can't allow Max Crosby to take advantage of your offensive line. You need to get the football out. I expect a lot of low A dot type of passes. So PPR leagues, if you're in fantasy, Wandale Robinson, I mean, if you want to bet on a New York Giants wide receiver, which I'm not typically one who wants to do that, but Wandale <laughs> Robinson is probably the one that, uh, that you want to go with, especially now that Darren Waller is not there and Daniel Bellinger will probably be used a lot in six-man protections. Yeah, and... The Patrick Graham factor is something we should probably talk about at least, well, at least mention, because as we well remember, he was the Giants defensive coordinator. He practiced against a lot of these guys and Daniel Jones in particular. He will have a good idea. Yeah, While he hasn't been a part of this coaching staff, he doesn't have an, any inside knowledge of the Giants scheme. We do know he is a good football mind, and he does know Jones. He knows Jones's personality, and he should have a pretty good idea of Jones's tendencies. And he'll be able to coach his players up on the way Jones thinks and the way he responds in certain situations. So that's something I think to at least be aware of. Yeah. We said before the Bills game, we didn't expect Brian Dayball to have a any kryptonite for Josh Allen. But I, in retrospect, I do believe that Dayball, knowing Josh Allen as well as he does, did have at least some impact on how Wink Martindale called that defense and how 
how Wink came to game plan with as little pressure as he used and how well that worked. So th it's just something to keep in our in the back of our minds as we look at this coaching matchup, this chess game that's going to be happening kind of above the field. Chris, anything else before we get out of here, buddy? Nope. I, as I said before, I've got no clue what to expect from this game. It's set up for the Giants to win and potentially win convincingly. But there are enough things going on at the periphery of the game where this could be another ugly, close nail biter of a game. And uh, I'm personally hoping not. Uh, I think we got enough of that last week with the Jets. Yeah, hopefully this game isn't just as offensively ugly. And I'm not talking about the offense, offensive side of the ball. Just la that last game was just an offense against football. Hopefully this game is at least watchable. <laughs> That's what we hope. But thank you, everyone, for tuning in to the Chris and Nick Show here on Big Blue View Radio. Please, if you have not done so already, like, subscribe, comment on the podcast. That would be lovely. And also head on over to BigBlueView.com where you can check out all of our written content. Take care of each other, and we'll talk to you next week. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. First thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd on? Oh, Mom. No. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower.